41, verses 1 to 13. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east, whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him, so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely, by paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbour and says to his brother, be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the earth, ends of the earth, and called from its farthest furthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. This is the word of the Lord. How many of you have had this experience where you say to yourself or to somebody, I've never seen a red Subaru, never seen a red Subaru at all, haven't, haven't ever seen a red Subaru, and then like the week and a half after that, every Subaru you see is red. Have you had that happen to you? I feel that way a little bit about preaching fear not, because it seems to me <laughs> that as I am walking over the last few weeks, that I'm walking into places that would cause or inspire fear. That at every turn, it seems that I'm encountering either people or even on a personal level, things that would inspire fear. And so I almost want to say, let's stop the series because I'm tired of seeing red Subarus. But I don't think that's where we're at. I, I, I was reading the editorials in the Weekend Australian this weekend, just yesterday, and in one of them, a, a gentleman who's a professor and very smart and was talking about how uncertainty is the thing that we need to accept now. 
that uncertainty. We just need to pull up our bootstraps. I'm paraphrasing. I'm using Lee Hingle language. Face it head on and just know that we're never going to get ahead of anything, that everything's going to change the moment we think we've got it figured out, and that uncertainty is what we need to learn to live with. It was sort of a half, not even close to being empty, full kind of thing, like, you know, this much water in it. Very negative. But reading it could cause you (laughs) to have a response of fear. Of going, he's right, he's absolutely right. Uncertainty is is what's going to reign, that there's there's no way that things could ever be normal again. It's just going to keep... As soon as we think we've got it figured out, then all of a sudden... I have friends of mine that are posting things all over the place showing me what July 1st looked like in the States and now what August looks like in the States with all these different colors growing all over the place and these deep, deep reds that you don't want to see that represent more COVID cases and more. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, what is going on? I'm hearing stories of people who can't even get into the country for a year and a half two years who desperately need to get into the country to spend time with people that they love. And we start seeing what does fear do? It can cause cooperation, but we see it causing division. We see it setting up and saying this side or this side, this way or this way, that if you're not with us, you're obviously against us, not that you just might have a different understanding or opinion about it. And at the same time, there's calls to be rational and be wise, and yet our hearts are pounding and we're waiting to see what is next to happen. And to make ourselves feel a little bit better, we start doing stupid little memes of Bart Simpson's dad, Homer, looking in the mirror saying, my plans for spring of 2021, and Bart standing behind him with a chair getting ready to knock him out saying, you know. What does it look like for us to enter into this place? Well, some background for this passage. God's chosen people are in captivity. They're in Babylon. They are are stuck. They are exiles. They have been taken over, drawn out of their promised land, and they are set. And and we're in this place. And you're going to notice that there in in verses um, 2 down towards verse 4, it says this, Who stirred up the one from the east? whom victory meets at every step. We believe that this is Cyrus who is going to come in and is going to take over Babylon, going to crush Assyria, and then is going to release the nation of Israel to go back to their land. That's important for us to know in this place because what we see Isaiah saying to the people of Israel is, you have every reason to be afraid. There are things that are happening around you. You are a broken people. You are enslaved people. There's no reason that you are afraid, but but there is something bigger going on. 
there is something that is happening. And so let me say again, you might be here feeling fear. And fear in and of itself is not bad. Fear can bring protection. It can bring cooperation. It can bring us deep consideration. But we can't just stay in that fear. We have to move through it. And I I believe that what God is saying through Isaiah in this passage will help us know how we move through it. So let's begin. In verse 1, there's this call out. It says, listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the people renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Now that judgment is not a crushing judgment. That judgment is actually the word for decision. So there's going to be a decision that is being called for in this passage. And it is about moving from fear to trust. And how we do that. I quoted Ed Welch last week. I'm going to say that quote again. He says this, Listen to your fears and you hear them speak about the things that have personal meaning to you. They appear to be attached to the things we value. To deeply understand fear, we must also look at ourselves and the way we interpret our situation. Those scary objects can reveal what we cherish. They point out our insatiable quest for control and our sense of aloneness. So the people of Israel, and perhaps even you here today, I know I'm feeling it are standing in a place saying, I need to actually take a moment to look at my fear, to consider it, because there's something about it that is showing me my desire for control or my sense of aloneness. There's a place where I have put something else on the throne of my heart than God. And that's what God's saying here. He's saying, come, let us consider. Let's make a judgment. And so the first thing we want to notice is that word, the very first word in chapter 2. And verse 2, it says, who? Who? That's important for us to know because when we deal with our fear, normally the way that we begin to engage with our fear is we think, what? What is causing this? What is going on? What is the situation that I'm leading in? Now, we can move very quickly to a who, But when we first engage with it, often it is about what is happening, how we're receiving it, what is taking place beyond our understanding. But God, when he says, let's make a judgment about this, he says, who? And it's very clear who he's talking about here. And Israel is seeing Cyrus on the edge coming in, and maybe they're thinking to themselves, this might be good, this might be bad, I don't know what's going to happen. But God comes in and he says this, who stirred up the man from the east? Whose victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely his, by his path of his feet have not trod who has performed and done this calling the generations from the beginning and some of them would have said Cyrus but God answers and he says I the Lord the first and with the last I am him 
God is making a very clear statement of who's in control. He's saying that it might look like it is crazy. It may look like it's chaos. There are plenty of things to cause you fear in your life. But I am the one who is ordaining your steps. I am the one who is walking with you. Yes, there are things that are breaking in. Yes, there are things, but they do not defeat my ability to overcome them. I am the one who has set the course of history. I am the one who knows the future. I am the one who is writing your story. I personally am involved in your life. I know you, and I am walking with you. That's what he's saying to Israel. It is I who is bringing Cyrus down the path. I'm the one who's doing that. But here's where the contention happens. After the sermon last week, if you remember, I said, what, were, what, what else could the disciples have done in the boat? Someone sent me a text that had a clip from a movie called Forrest Gump. And I don't know if you've seen Forrest Gump. Some people love Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump's one of those movies that you either love it or you hate it, right? So if you hate it, I'm sorry, I'm going to use Forrest Gump as an illustration. If you love it, hey, good on you. So Lieutenant Dan, friends with Forrest, has lost his legs in the Vietnam War. He shows up. Forrest is trying to get shrimp into a boat. Prawns called shrimp over there, uh, into a boat, trying to, and, and, and they're, they're, they're not doing it. There, there's not, it's just not happening. But Forrest, being raised in a church, is saying, I'm praying to God, I'm praying to God, I'm praying to God. That's, that's what I do. But Dan, Lieutenant Dan, is always looking out, trying to figure out where's the next place that we need to drop our nets. And they're on a boat, and they're out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. And as they're there, Lieutenant Dan, finally, after they drop a net that has nothing in it, says, where is this God of yours? And Forrest says, and it was about that time that a storm rolled in. Now, they're the only boat that's out. They're the only boat that stays, and the storm is vicious. It is crazy. Like, it is tearing things apart. It's a hurricane. And the boat is out there. And Forrest says, I'm scared. I'm afraid. But not Lieutenant Dan. He was angry. Lieutenant Dan is up on the mast. He is looking out and he is screaming at the top of his lungs and laughing maniacally to God. Saying, now is the time for a showdown. This is it. It's my way or it's your way. You are never going to seek this boat. That's what he says to When we step into chapter 6 here, we see this place where he says, look, people are railing against me. People are thinking that they can figure out how to do this. They're, they're thinking to themselves, this is how we engage with it. Look at verse 5 and following. It says, the coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith. And he, and he who smooths the hammer, uh, him who strikes the anvil, says to the solderer, it is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. He's looking at them and saying, you're creating idols. You're building things out of wood and metal so that you can put your hope into. And what they're doing is saying, it's good, it's good, it's good. This is going to overcome. We're, if we bow down to this, if we do our plan, if we just work our system, if we just get to the right place, if we follow the right people, if we listen to the right words, then it will all work out. It will be good. And God says, no, that's terrifying. I will break that. Because I'm the one who's in control. 
I'm the one who is walking with you. I'm the one who knows you. And so he's looking at Israel and he's saying, Israel, if you have begun to build things out of wood, thinking that it replaces the God who created that wood, Israel, if if you are, are looking to silver from the maker of silver, he says, no, that's not going to happen. But then he whispers, oh, and this is where God is so good. Because at this point, we might be thinking to ourselves, God wants to fight back with Lieutenant Dan and just crush the boat, right? That's the, that, that would be ideal, right? Like, you, you don't challenge God. I, I'm going to crush the boat. But God comes in and he says very gently, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, the offspring of Abraham, check this out, my friend, with whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest corner, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you out. Listen, fear not. Why? For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you, they shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be nothing and shall perish. But you shall seek those who who have been contending with you, and you will not find them. They will be gone. Those who war against you shall be nothing. All the things that you think are going to be overcome by silver and by wood and by nails and by good craftsmanship, they're all going to be gone because I'm going to take care of it. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. Catch this image of God here. He is putting out his right hand of righteousness. He is putting it out to guide and protect. He is putting it out to move away the obstacles. He's putting it out so that our fear can be overcome and walk through, so that we can trust in him. He's putting it out to say, I have this overcome. But with his left hand, He's holding on to the right hand of Israel. You see what he does there? He says, with my right hand, my righteous right hand, I'm upholding you and I'm moving things. But with my left hand, I'm holding what? Your right hand. That right hand of Israel stuck out holding on to God's left as he is pulling them forward, as he is pulling them closer to him, as he is bringing them in in protection to say, I am going to walk with you. So there's this point of decision, right? There's this drama that is taking place, this debate that is happening within Israel and within ourself that says, who who do I choose? Do I choose the things that I think will accomplish or do I choose to trust in God? Do I move to the one who knows me and knows who I am that is from the first to the last, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who has written this story, the one who knows how it ends, the one who controls what is happening even at this moment when it seems so chaotic and crazy? Do I turn to my friends and say, it's good, it's good, you think it's good? If all our plans work out, like if we do this with this and we do this with that, because there's no guarantee in those things. And even if they do break down, even when it all goes to hell, God still is present in that place saying, I will hold your hand. 
I will walk with you. Fear not, for I am with you. I am contending for you. That's all good and fine for Israel. Maybe it's good for us to look just a couple of verses ahead and a couple of verses after. You'll notice there in verse 1, it says, Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the people renew their strength. Oh, just right before that, in chapter 40, this is the passage that we see. God again talking to Israel. He says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He is understanding and is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall in exhaustion. But they who wait upon the Lord, what? Shall renew their strength. When he calls them to renew their strength, he is hearkening back saying, you wait on the Lord. And then he pushes it even further. Because at the end of verse 41, as, as chapter 41, as we move into chapter 42, we see God saying, listen, I will open up the rivers. If the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongues are parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I am the God of Israel who will not forsake them. I will open up the rivers. I am the fount that they need to find. Then. In verse 42, he introduces us to how he accomplishes it all. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and the faintly burned wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. That's Jesus. That's God incarnate coming in and saying, I want you to know all of who I am and I will come as a man to show you who I am. And he says, I bring justice. I overcome fear. I walk you through it. I don't say don't have it, but I come through it so that you can trust in me. And so that's why we gather together so often. That's why we try and live relationally with one another. So that we can look at one another and say, I know it doesn't seem like we can keep going on. I know it seems absolutely crazy. I know that uncertainty is the place that we should move. But I am telling you that Jesus is certain. That there is nothing to fear. That when I fear, I recognize my own heart and what I am putting hope into. And in that place, I can run to Jesus. Now again, let me say, fear leads to protection. There are some of you who have fears in your life that are causing you to move to protection. Follow that fear. Follow it to the right place. Get protection. Because there are situations that go on in our world because it has fallen and broken that we need to recognize. No. Nope. It's not that God is not in control and watching over it. It's that that person is in rebellion against it and it is causing hurt and pain. And so I need to be safe. I need to be protected. But I don't need to fear 
after I moved to that place. I rest in the trust of what God has given me. Oftentimes, when we think of a gate, we can think of a gate in two ways. We can think of a gate as something that keeps people out, right? That the gate is there and it keeps people out. It's the thing that gets shut so that nobody can get in. And then sometimes we think of it as the thing that keeps us in and trapped. That, it, that it's the thing that when it's closed, I now, now I can't get out. When we perceive a gate as something that is there to just keep people out and, and to keep us in, then in that moment we are in fear. Because a gate opens. A, a gate opens up so that there can be coming and going. So that there can be movement back and forth. And so when Jesus says he's the gate, he's saying, I am there to protect, but I am there for you to enter in to rest. And so today, how do we move? How do we move from fear to trust? Well, I think we can only do it together. <laughs> Through the power of the Holy Spirit, walking hand in hand, looking at one another, and instead of saying, these systems, these things, this silver and wood that we've built, it's good. We look to God through Jesus and say, it is good. It is good. Let me pray. <clears throat> yeah, let us hear you. Let us hear you, God, clearly calling out to us, whispering, shouting for some of us. Some of us need you to shout. Whispering to some and saying, I'm present. I'm always present. Fear not. I'm protector, provider. I'm the lover of your soul. Let us hear you calling out to us, saying those things through Christ. Holy Spirit, speak and testify to us so that we know that we can believe. Move us from fear to 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 faith. Move us from fear to trusting in you. Help us in those places, God, even in my own heart where I look at something that clearly is not going to do anything, but I've put so much hope in that thing to do it. Help me repent of that. so that we can step into that place of knowing your glory, that, that you hold our hand, that you call us friend. God, if there's anything that's not from you today, let it burn up, let it go away. If it's all of this, let it, let it be gone. Let nobody remember. But if there's anything that's from you, let it take root in our hearts so that it will do the good work that you provide for it to do so that we can bring glory to you. It's in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand.